If you don't know what the wheat wager is, you've obviously not been paying attention because all the guys have shot their promo videos telling you about how they're bringing their A game to the wheat wager. Basically, you take a certain chunk of ground. I think it's about seven acres. And you say, if those seven acres, we're going we're to monitor them and we're going to say how many bushels we got. It's very similar to the commodity group uh, yield competitions. But this is within Extreme Ag. Last year, Matt Miles won the hardware. He picked up 121 bushel wheat uh, down in the Delta region of Arkansas. So this is not, you might be saying, wait a minute, I thought wheat was all about Kansas and North Dakota. Well, a guy from Arkansas won it last year. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explorer can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another Extreme Ag Cutting the Curve episode. This is a quick discussion with our friend Johnny Varel. He is an Extreme Ag affiliate from Jackson, Tennessee. I had to look at my notes, forgot the name. It's in West Central Tennessee, and he is participating in this year's wheat wager. We're going to find out wheat strategy. Wheat strategy, and by the way, we're not going to release this until after the other boys are already full on to their whole executing their wheat strategy. Otherwise, they might cheat. Johnny Varel, what are you going to do to bring home the hardware for the wheat wager? First off, if you do, I'll be one of your biggest cheers you know that i'll be over here applauding going hey man the kid from tennessee got it anyway what are you gonna do i mean basically we're just gonna manage it like we always do we try to make top end wheat every year um so basically just paying attention to the wheat crop as the year progresses and keep the disease out and keep the keep the nitrogen to the wheat that's the big things that we're gonna focus on i got a question for you uh, you know, I'm from Indiana, and we don't even matter when it comes to wheat. We produce some. Uh, I was a dairy farm kid. We used wheat as a means to get straw so that we had bedding for our cattle and a place to take manure beginning July 4th, because we harvest our wheat usually between July 4th and July 11th. Uh, it's my birthday. That's why I remember that. And every about every one of my birthdays, I was on a, a wagon uh, stacking straw bales. Anyway, um, but you didn't do it because it was this huge crop, et cetera. Now guys use wheat as a reason to 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 make this thing put drainage tile in during July, August, September before harvest starts in my part of the world. Uh, when you think of wheat, you think of the Plains states. You think of those caravans of combines starting in Texas, going all up to Manitoba. You know what you don't think of? You sure as hell don't think of Tennessee when you think of wheat. You're not a wheat state. What's going on? Well, just I guess over time, farmers have started paying more attention and realizing that we can make some better better yields than what we've been making. Uh, wheat was always a secondary crop to us. Like if we raised wheat, it was just to keep something from washing away. Uh, and back in the 2000s, we started raising wheat for our true crop. And uh, same thing for what? was for what? Like a true crop, like actually put forth an effort. So you see, when I was a kid, my granddad and them, they would throw the wheat out in the fall and maybe fertilize it once in the spring. And if it made 40, 50 bushels, we were happy. So I just really made this exact, we, we recorded with, we recorded with Chad and Temple and they talked. I didn't even need to be there. That's how much they just rambled on about wheat. And the big point there was wheat has never been treated, loved the way corn was, right? We love corn. Oh man. We go out there and just, you know, hug, hug the stalks, but 
we, like you said, fling it on, maybe throw some fertilizer on it come spring, ah, let it go. As long as it turned, yeah, as long as it turned green in December, we were happy. Uh, you know, because we would plant it all the way through Thanksgiving. So. All right, so you changed your whole wheat strategy, and uh, whether it's for height, like you said, whether it's to win this competition with the guys or not, you look at wheat strategy as now treat it like a real crop. So take me from fall till 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 harvest. Yeah, we usually start planting wheat the first week of October, maybe the second week of October. We try to be finished in the month of October. So we do our wheat a little different. We don't use a drill. Uh, we we drilled wheat for years. We actually broadcast our wheat now and just you know covered up with a one pass system and uh cover it up with a one pass system means yeah like a southward machine turbo till sometimes we have to go two passes depending on the residue um and that's that broadcast us, is it broadcast what's the broadcasting method uh spreader truck just like so, you put on fertilizer well it kind of goes back against you know people thinking that you got to be pre precise and planting i'm not gonna say we don't give up some yield but for us we had a we had a wheat drill that we were running five, six, seven days a year, and it was sitting there. So we just took some equipment we already had on the farm and started using it in the fall instead of just in the spring. Yeah. So essentially, you said, why have a drill just for wheat that we use for, you know, uh, not very much? So you're using like a fertilizer spreader or something. Okay. That's right. So we're applying our fertilizer wheat at the same time in one pass. So it really didn't cause us to have an extra pass on our fertilizer truck. It, it just basically... Um, we were having to go across and fertilize whether we had a drill or not. And I mean, a lot of my neighbors still drill wheat. It looks good. It, it sometimes comes up better than my broadcast wheat. But yeah, we've so out there and you and you incorporated in a little bit with this uh, light tillage. Um, then, then you sit back and wait and say harvest and do nothing, right? No, no, no. We've already uh, so usually about a month later we put out our herbicide because we've learned if we can put out a herbicide program in the in the fall it really doesn't seem to affect the wheat like it does in the spring. Sometimes you do a herbicide program in the spring, the weeds are already too big. You're having to put out a higher rate. It's a lot harder on the wheat crop itself. So we try to do a fall herbicide program. And so, and you got a herbicide that's got residual in it because it needs to have soil staying power for a while, but then do you get into enough of a freeze winter time that then everything goes dormant or are you far enough south that you don't ever really get into a full true dormancy? So we're going to be, uh, I think we're 17 degrees a couple of days ago, and I think we're going to be in the 60s uh, Thursday. So we get big swings. Our wheat, I'm not going to say it ever goes true dormant. Um, it, it will shut down for a week or two, and then it'll come back. And that can be a pro and a con, because sometimes it seems to outgrow some of the wheat that stays dormant all the winter. But also in the spring, we have been hit with our uh, late season frost or late season freeze and really hurt the wheat too. Wait, that is something famous in extreme ag kevin matthews has uh made famous the term easter freeze yeah, yeah. it's the easter freeze is a tough one for us usually every year we're on the borderline of getting hit by it so 2007 we actually got we lost our wheat crop completely yeah. it had already just headed out and we actually got down in uh the teens and, and took the wheat crop out so it it can happen and we've been we've been hurt a few times since then but never the whole crop so tell me about then strategy besides that. So after herbicide, you did herbicide. Um, okay, you planted it, you fertilizer, all that stuff happens in the fall. Uh, by the way, we're recording this at Christmas, New Year's time, dear listener. So um, uh, maybe some of the things might change as they need to between now and June. Uh, Johnny told me in a previous episode, your harvest date roughly is June 1st. That's right. Real close to June 1st. The first week of June is always when we're going to start usually. 
Okay. Take me then uh, between now and first week of June. Oh, there'll be uh, there'll be a light herbicide fungicide application in the spring, usually in uh, February, early March. Uh, we'll put out a uh, another fungicide shot to keep the disease out of it, uh, and then we used to put out several uh, uh, nitrogen applications too. Usually, at least two to three more nitrogen applications on the wheat. Basically, three just more? put out. Do you say three more? At least two. But on this high-end wheat, we might have to put a third one out. You never know. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit like uh, the livestock people that go to livestock judges. If it takes you another big, huge dose of nitrogen, but you win a trophy that costs $4, clearly it's worth it, right? That's, that's right. That's right. And that's where this piece here with them is a pretty unique thing. They're going to take into account the ROI, too. So you could spend a lot of money and really push that yield and maybe – you know, beat everyone by 20 bushel, but you actually lost money on it. So we don't need share, to share, share that again, because I was being facetious and I know the listener understands that, but in honesty, there's always that thing of, yeah, well, yeah, you won the County fair with your steer. You got $14,000 investment, take it to the butcher and it's going to sell for, you know, a, a buck 20 a pound. So you just lost. We're not doing that. We could go out here and say, yeah, we're getting 180 bushel wheat, but it costs us a thousand dollars an acre to produce it. Yeah. The real numbers are we're keeping up with those, right? Yeah, the real numbers are ROI and and what we could put into a crop and the best return we can get. And, you know, also the county average, <clears throat> our county average is not the best, but we always make quite a bit better than the county average. So I always try to look at that, too, and to see where we're sizing up for the county and the state also. Because the state of Tennessee is not known for wheat, just like you said earlier. You got to get out, you know, out west or farther north to get into the I didn't say it just to bash on you and your Tennesseans. I also said that my state's not known as it. We put it out just we had a place to to get straw for the dairy cattle and a place to put manure. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't think that there was, I thought that of all the states that were even less wheaty than uh, mine would be yours, but you're telling me no. Also, you got some curvy ground. You don't do it. You've been a wheat, you, you've been wheat for when you were t a kid, right? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, really, we started when we got out of the cotton uh, in the late 2000s there. We kind of transitioned into wheat. We had some before that, but we might have 100 acres or something like that every year. It was never never a real crop for us. And so we just kind of transitioned over time. And we're in an area where we can really raise wheat on probably about 95 percent of the ground we we row crop. So it's easy uh, for us on your wheat strategy for the wheat challenge um, or the wheat wager, as it were, um, Anything different than you would, than your, like you said, you might just put a touch more fertility to it. Anything else? Uh, right now, that's all I'm going to do. Um, it's just really look at the crop. I've got a crop consultant that works with me on my wheat. When, um, we'll just kind of look at it at a week-by-week -week basis there and just see what it needs. But I can see adding a little more nitrogen to it and seeing how that pays off for us. I've been in Memphis in July. Um, so by then your wheat would already be harvested. I've been in Memphis where I thought I needed scuba gear because it was almost like breathing underwater. It was that humid. I thought, oh my God, this is not, it's the old thing. It ain't the heat, it's humidity. Is your wheat pretty well done by the time it becomes gross with this whole 90, yeah. 90 <coughs> degree temperatures and 95% humidity? Yeah. If you wait to about the middle of June, you're going to run into that. And it, it's hard to get a soybean crop up then just because it's so hot. Um, you could really run into some major moisture issues getting that crop up. So that's another thing we're going to do is, is probably harvest the wheat uh, a little early too on the high moisture side. Yeah. So you talked about that in a previous episode. You, you're you not against going out and record. You, you'll, you'll harvest wheat 
even if it needs to run through the grain dryer, which is something that's not really done in most of the country. That's right. That's right. We try to we try to start as early as we can. We really try to harvest our whole wheat crop in about six, seven days from okay. the time we start to the time we finish. Got it. You don't you usually your wheat gets done before you get into heavy disease pressure. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, no, I mean we have to put a couple of fungicides out on the wheat throughout the growing season, but usually it's in the spring, uh, February, March, when we start putting out the first shot. And then we definitely have to put out a shot on the, when you get the, the head emerges for the head scab. Got it. Anything else I need to know about your uh, wheat, your wheat strategy for wheat wager 2023? I don't guess. If you got it, if you got a few proprietary secrets, keep them to yourself. That's what we might do. So <laughs> his name is Johnny Burrell. He's a Jackson, Tennessee farmer. He's an extreme ag affiliate. We're happy to have him here. You'll be hearing more from him as I, uh, like, as I connect with him through the year, uh, we got all kinds of good stuff to share. Uh, and, and I've got uh, plenty of topics rolling in my head because uh, he's, he's a sharp dude and he can share stuff with you. If you got anything from this, and I know you did, Take this episode and share it. Take other episodes and share it. There are so many awesome, I mean, we've recorded like 200 of these things and share them around with people that can glean something from them because our experiences are meant for your for your enlightenment and more importantly, for your professional advancement uh, on your farming operation. So thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you. Till next time, I'm Dave Mason. This is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.